Hey, so before we start, I think it's important we get to know each other a little bit better first. So, this week's episode is all about me. Okay, it's not just about me. It's about my partner too, and how we got here in the first place. As in, why am I making a podcast about queer parenting when I'm not even a queer parent myself? So, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. My name is Connor James, and you're listening to the very first Daddy Issue. I think I was around 20 years old when I first came out to my mother. One of the first things she said afterwards was that she'd never have grandkids. And I responded by telling her that I could always adopt one day. But I'd never really thought about it beyond that. Over the years, I'd sometimes end up arguing with boyfriends over the subject because I just didn't see myself as a father. I didn't grow up with a strong male role model around me. So, to be honest... I didn't even know what a father was supposed to do. At school, I was denied LGBTQ sex education. And I never saw gay parental role models in the media. Only celebrities on TV shows talking about having a child via surrogacy in the USA. Gay parenting simply felt like something only rich and famous people could do. So, I just accepted that it was impossible for me. Now, maybe you're thinking, Whoa, Connor, you're so easily defeated. But I think the term is realistic optimism. You see, when you're queer, your life is full of limitations. I'm 28 years old, and I still feel uncomfortable and unsafe holding my boyfriend's hand in public. In fact, concerned friends and family have taught me not to do so, because homophobic attacks in Holland are a lot more common than its public relations department might care to admit. Too many people think that we got equality when we could get married, and... Unfortunately, that's far from true. And in the majority of the world, queer people are denied basic rights, and in some extremes, existence. What makes this sometimes more painful is that I know I am lucky. I'm from Western Europe. I live in the Netherlands. I'm a cis male. And I'm white. I fit into that box of, you're alright for somebody who's gay. And if I don't, I can pretend not to be. Not that it's something that I would ever willingly do. But the option is still there. I have that privilege. I can pass as a white straight guy if I need to. Okay, so maybe now you're thinking, Connor, just talk about parenting. And don't worry, we're getting to that. But please pay good attention to what I just said. You may have questions, opinions, and preconceptions about what the series is going to be about. And maybe about what queer parenting is. I want you to let them go, and start this journey with an open mind, and be prepared to let your biases be challenged. So, now having said all of that, I think it's time we get this episode started.
the year was 2020 and everything was going fine until... While the coronavirus continues to spread at speed, this time a week ago, there were under 3,000 cases Français. in China. There are now Mes more than 17,000 and more than 300 people have died. The coronavirus is now more than 17,000 and more than 300 people have died. gives us the opportunity to get more testing. Junto a funcionarios estatales y profesionales de la salud, explicó que este paso Our lives as we knew them came to a halt. And for the first time ever, we had a lot of time to think. And think. And think some more. Myself and my partner, whose name is Kevin by the way, had already briefly been musing the idea of parenthood. Mostly because his sister and sister-in-law were both expecting new arrivals in the late spring. But for me... The true importance of family didn't really hit home until we tragically lost Kevin's grandfather to the coronavirus. This was at the very beginning of the pandemic, so funerals were capped at 30 people. I was honoured to be able to attend, and it was as I sat there, holding my boyfriend's hand, surrounded by the family of Kevin's grandparents, that I realised I wanted to make sure that whatever my legacy was, Somebody was around to remember it. Some time passed after the funeral, and Kevin's youngest sister gave birth to her first child. At this point, Kevin and I began to think about what kind of an uncle we could be for our two nieces and nephew. Being cool uncles slowly started to build up to the big what if. What if we were parents? If you're straight, you can probably call your parents or a friend there and then and ask the question. If you're queer, you can't. So, I began to research into what options we had, and I was surprised and frustrated about how hard it was to find actual information and real examples of queer parenting. Nothing seemed to be centralised or relevant to us. Most English language resources are, of course, from North America, which is a world away from our Holland home. The journey that followed this very first Google search is what you're going to hear. By starting a rather selfish search for answers on gay parenting, I accidentally opened a Pandora's box of problems and possibilities. And I'm so glad that I did. I'm honoured that I will get to share with you some incredible stories from some incredible people. I've learnt so much from them, so I'm sure you will too. But before we start telling those stories, let's back up a little and... I'll tell you mine. The next part of this episode features an interview I had with my boyfriend at the very beginning of this entire process. Okay, so Kevin, thank you for your time. I'm just going to jump right in. We've been talking about gay parenting for a little while now, mostly since your younger sister gave birth, which was almost a year ago. And that was, of course at the very beginning of the coronavirus pandemic here in the Netherlands, we were in our first lockdown. And I was wondering if you've wondered why we've only recently become interested in this. Do you think it's because with coronavirus, we've been spending a lot more time, obviously, indoors. We've, we've, we've been spending a lot more time with ourselves. 
and we've had a lot more time to really critically think about our lives, where they are and where they're going. Yeah, I have to agree with that because during the pandemic, you have more time to think about a lot more than only your work and the things you like to do. So, uh, and also because my sister gave birth, um, I think these two things together um, made us think more about having a kid because before all of that, I think we just lived our lives and we thought, oh, maybe one day we can have a kid, but we never talked about it really. No, and it was really strange actually getting to watch your sister go through pregnancy because we both know her really well. When your brother, um, who also has children, when he had his first child, I'd only just moved to the Netherlands, so I was very removed from the situation. But it was also really strange to see you holding um, your newborn niece and kind of not being a father, but, you know, doing things which are paternal, which was really strange to see. And it was, I was really curious if, yeah, holding her for the first time, if that made you really change how you felt about fatherhood. Yeah, before I was not really into uh, kids or babies or uh, anything like that, because, yeah, I didn't see myself in the future having a kid anyways. But since I saw my sister's uh, baby, yeah, everything changed a little bit because it showed me that I actually can be with a kid together. Yeah, you're really good. You're a natural. You've done a lot. You've changed nappies. You've uh, been vomited on. I think we've both been vomited on. Um, yeah, the worst things happened. Yeah, we've had back pain from carrying her. I don't know how something so small can, <laughs> can cause so much back pain. So uh, my heart goes out to parents with newborn babies around the world. Yes, because you want to be careful about... Uh how you hold them and you make really weird positions. Yeah. But that's also strange, right? When we first held her, we were really robotic, like terrified. Because, yeah. And now, of course, we're still careful, but it becomes kind of natural. You you know how to hold the child and you know what the child likes and what the child doesn't like. And we know she likes to cry. So we've, we've yeah. got also used to that. But yeah, I guess it's, it's strange that so much has changed in such a short space of time when the world has kind of stood still. I think that's really bizarre, but I'm glad that with coronavirus, I hope if, if at least one good thing comes out of it, it's that people like us have had time to really reassess their lives and figure out how to steer it in the right direction. Because like you said before, I think we were very much in the process of we went to work, we came home, we ate, we went to sleep, we got up the next day, we went to work, we came home, we went to sleep. We never had time to think about our future. No. But also... When was the last time you saw a gay family in a movie or in the media? Well, I actually never saw a gay family in any movie or in the media. Something was not really being talked about or it's common. Not in my experience. No, I think actually the last time that we saw a gay person in TV, well, there was Pose. We saw Pose. Yeah, so I Pose. Guess we saw, yeah, which is a fantastic series. And it was really amazing to see so many... Um, especially black actors on screen and so many gay stories and that made me really sad and angry to see how gay people have been trapped and, and we still are in, in many places trapped but actually the last time i do know this i did some research was when we watched endgame and the director of endgame i think makes a cameo and he's crying to captain america saying that he misses his husband and that is the last time that we saw a gay character uh in in me in the media 
um, on, on the big screen, at least in front of us. Yeah, you mean like it was not an, an, uh, something that was all about the gay scene, you know, like Post, that yeah. it's something about gay scene, but in yeah, other kind of movies, it was like something you have to force to be in. Yeah, it always feels very forced, like that scene, and it's a straight guy, the guy who's playing the gay guy is a straight guy. So it's just really kind of felt like they're trying to tick a box. And it's nice that they're aware of it, but it would be nice if they tried a little bit harder and they didn't try and force us in just for some points. Oh, well, I guess we, we saw a lot of gay people in RuPaul's Drag Race, but that doesn't... Yeah, that does, doesn't count. That doesn't count, no. So I was kind of... I was curious if you know what options we have. Like, if you know what, what options we have for parenthood, if you know any of them. Um, well, I did some research a little while ago, and I know... One of the options is adoption. Mm-hmm. Well, what I know now is not possible here in the Netherlands. Not that I know of. But yeah, the only thing what I know is that it also has to be certain countries where you can have a kid as a gay couple. But that's something I did research on back then. I don't know why I did that. Um, probably because it was a moment that time goes really fast and I read something about it that it can take a while uh, in the adoption process. Yeah. And I'm getting older and I don't want to see myself being 40 years and having my first kid. Yeah, for everyone is different, but for me, yeah, it is something important. Yeah. Um, there's another option. What I know is surrogacy, um, but I don't know too much about that. No. And well, right now, as we're recording, so Netherlands is a very strange case, and we'll go into this more. It's it's almost impossible to adopt a child domestically. It's not impossible, but statistically, um, it's very unlikely that that would ever happen. And that means that most parents in the Netherlands, heterosexual or not, um, have to adopt a child from abroad. There was a recent report into adoptions from the 1980s up until the end of the 1990s, which found that women in countries like Indonesia were being paid to give their children up for adoption. So right now in the Netherlands, so this is February, the Dutch government have blocked adoptions overseas. We don't know when this will change. This will be a job for the next government and there's not an election until March. So I think when the podcast is live, we might know what that is, but right now we don't. Um, Which means that one of the very few options we have is at least temporarily not an option anymore. Exactly. Which kind of, yeah, I guess it makes it really harsh in a way, a harsh reality of how difficult it is for gay people who want to have kids because we're really limited by what our governments allow us to do. And we're kind of lucky if you think about it that we're in the Netherlands and we have more rights than people in a lot of other countries have. Okay, so we've barely scraped the barrel of what our options are and... We've definitely come across some interesting questions, which we don't really know the answers to. And some of those questions feel like ethical and you feel kind of, yeah, you don't know how to answer it. But one of them is you're of Dutch and Indonesian descent. And I was really curious how you feel about options that give you the chance, that give us a chance to have a child which matches our ethnic profiles. And particularly at a time in the Netherlands where we're seeing some pretty terrible evidence of 
racism. For example, there was the recent child benefit um, situation, which uh, really affected non-white Dutch families, uh, mainly from the Dutch Caribbean. And also, when I've been doing my research for the podcast, and I've been looking at options like surrogacy, so IVF, uh, even adoption, I've not come across a single website that shows a family like us. Most of the stuff, obviously, for the IVF side, that's more targeted heterosexual couples. But even stuff like uh, surrogacy, which is targeted more to gay people, mostly in the American commercial sites, uh, all of their couples there are white <laughs> with a white child. And for us, that's obviously different. So I was wondering if you had any feelings over that. Yeah, of course. If there's an option that you can have a kid for yourself, what looks like you or have your heritage. Yeah, it was always better, but like our options are so limited anyway. So I'm actually already happy to, to, have, to have a kid anyways. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but if there's an option that, uh, you can share a little bit your own roots. Yeah. I think that would be uh, amazing. I think that's quite an interesting one because some people will tell you like, you know, you should adopt a child because there's so many kids out there who need to be adopted. Um, we know that's not always possible, but I'm also curious, something which maybe we have to look into as part of the podcast is how many of these options where we are talking about having a child, which is genetically at least, you know, one of ours, um, how these options work, because maybe when you're looking for stuff like a donor egg or donor sperm or whatever, yeah, I think this is something that we will definitely look into more when we get to things like surrogacy. I'm also really curious how much like non-white sperm or egg cells are available because we're not the only couple in the Netherlands who are a mixed race couple. Um, so I'm really I'm curious there if if there is a lack of availability of egg and sperm donors who aren't white because that would be a huge disadvantage for non-white people trying to start a family if they wanted to have a child that matched them, matched their ethnicity. Okay, so if we kind of move on to the stuff that we talk about the most, which is, of course, the stuff that worries us, the top of the list, I think, is money. How much is this all going to cost? None of the options are completely free, of course. Having a child always comes with financial consequences and it's important that we make sure that we're able to provide for those consequences. But of course, we have to also pay for things like surrogacy and adoption. Those those things aren't always free. It definitely, uh, the adoption is an overseas adoption. So I, I was wondering if you are worried that if we did decide to become parents, that we wouldn't financially even be able to achieve that. Well, it's not the only thing what I worry about is the money, but also the time yeah. and the preparations for it. Because you have to prepare it. If you decide tomorrow you want to be a parent, you have to start tomorrow. And you don't know till when that will last. It can be that you have to prepare for five years. Of course, you have to save the money for it. And in the meantime, you also have to think about a new house maybe. And it will cost money as well. Because the house we live in here now, we can be easy live together. But with one kid, no, that's not possible. <laughs> so you have to look for that as well and everything is just in preparation and where do we have to start that's the question yeah and that's that's a good point because it could maybe take two or five years until we're successful in becoming parents depending on which options we choose of course but it doesn't happen overnight 
which is good. This, these things should take time. With the house as well, we have an interesting question because we're very lucky. We own our own home um, in the center of Rotterdam, which is fantastic. But house prices are rising very quickly. And there's a big chance that we would have to move out of the city if we decide to have a child because we simply wouldn't be able to afford a space big enough within the city to have a child. And that's that's a big thing. And also you mentioned time and that's a big concern, right? Um, are you aware of how maternity and paternity leave works in the Netherlands? No, I'm not aware of that. I don't know anything about how that works and what the rules are. Yeah, it's it's complicated. I've done a little bit of research, but I'm still not 100% certain. I know that the mother is entitled to 16 weeks of maternity leave. If you compare that to the UK and the Nordic countries... That's actually not very much. I think we're one of the lowest countries in Europe for maternity leave. Paternity leave last year was only two weeks, I believe, um, with 70% salary for the father. That's now five weeks. So that, that has increased, which is great news. Adoption is six weeks. Uh, but if you compare this to a country like Sweden, which gives both parents 16 months to share and they can split it between them, um, we're still at quite a disadvantage in the Netherlands regarding leave. Uh, which means ultimately that one of us might have to choose to return to work sooner than the other um, and that we're going to have to have enough money to make sure we can take enough leave because I believe only one of the fathers is entitled to this leave. Um, so that's a, a huge undertaking. And Do you think it's fair that we have to take that kind of burden which a heterosexual couple wouldn't? No, I think it's not fair at all because... You already are limited for a lot of things. And that, yeah, it makes it even more difficult when you almost have no right to have a period of leave from yeah. work. So, but yeah, what can you do about it? <laughs> yeah, that's sadly not I, I think that in the Netherlands, they are too strict anyways with a lot of uh, reasons what have to do with birth of a kid yeah. or baby. Because I never really understood why a mother has to go back to work so fast and don't see their baby growing up and you have to send them to daycare that I never really understood. I understand that, yeah, after one moment you have to send them to daycare, but not at so young age. And can you imagine for a gay couple like us how that works? Yeah, that's, that's another ball game completely. How I don't even know what child benefit we're entitled to. And what you said is quite interesting because I remember when I first moved here and you explained to me that uh, your brother's kid was going to daycare. And I was really shocked because in the UK, for example, um, the mother gets 52 weeks of leave. So I think about, I don't know, uh, nine months or something, uh, which is a long time. And if you sent your kid to daycare as young as Dutch parents do, I think it's around three months. Um, yeah, that would seem like cruelty in the UK. I was really shocked by it. But it's also interesting too, because it's 2021, right? And if you look at how these systems work, the mother gets the majority of the leave and the father gets a little bit of leave. And that is the same in most countries. Sweden is an outlier. So it reveals, well, we're also trying to fight for equality as gay people, as LGBTQ people. It shows a huge inequality for women and men as well, because parents are set up from the start in an unequal balance where the father has to work 
and it's expected that they go to work. And the mother spends the majority of the time at home, meaning that kids from a young age see, hey, dad goes to work, mum stays home. I don't think that's healthy either. No, I agree with that. That's where it all starts, uh, being not equal. So that's what you as a little kid already grow up with. Yeah, like we never see gay parents, but we also never see or very rarely see a family where the father stays at home or where it's more equal. Yeah, maybe maybe it happens somewhere, but yeah. we never heard about it, we never see that. What about with your parents? How did it work with your parents? Well, I grew up, my mom was always working and my dad as well. Yeah. And we were in a daycare. That's exactly back then it was the same. Uh, we were lucky that my grandma could... Uh, visit us and care for us as well yeah but yeah i think not all families have that lucky uh that yeah. possibility to yeah. grow up with your grandma and your grandpa and it's also a lot of stress for the whole family if you have to expect your parents to suddenly become daycare like i'm sure people would love to care for their grandkids but they also have jobs yeah but that that's why it's all about having a job and go to work yeah that's what you see now during the pandemic as well that the parents cannot take it anymore that the kids are at home all the time but it's because they have to work yeah and they also now have to be kind of home teachers at the same and time teachers yeah yes it's a huge responsibility to take on okay so let's let's just look into the future and pretend that we have decided to have a child let's not worry about how but we've decided to have a child I was wondering how you imagine our lives looking like and what kind of challenges do you think we will be facing as parents? Well, what will change, what's for sure, is that we will have to move house again. Yeah. And I always told myself I don't want this anymore. To but move house? <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, when we bought this house, for example, we never thought about having a kid that just suddenly changed. But yeah, that will change for sure. But when we just being a parent, I think everything will just change. Also, our families, our environment, they're like, they will never see me like with a kid. Because what I think is that they also don't know better that how it works to have a kid as a gay couple. Like, yeah, yeah true adoption. But nothing more what they know about. I also didn't grow up by yeah that people learn me how to how that all works. So yeah, I think for them it's also something totally new, but also something so unexpected. And yeah, what else will be a big change for us as being a parent? That will be the totally of the lifestyle, because yeah, we have to work, but probably is that one of us has to work a little bit less. But on the other hand, we have to keep working like also straight couples do. They yeah. also have to keep working. They have to send the kids to the daycare. And that's what we have to do as well. The only thing what I don't know about is what's our, our benefits. Yeah, I don't have a clue how any of that works. The Dutch benefit system is so complicated. and Yeah, you rather don't want to benefit of anything. Cause... No, not if you hear what happened with the people who had to pay back hundreds of thousands of years of childcare when they didn't even have to because of the childcare scandal. It's quite a overwhelming. And we also have the added benefit and difficulty of being a multinational family. So I have my family in the UK, which means I guess we have to figure out a way of making sure that 
my mum and my stepdad are also involved. I'm guessing that might mean if we have a child, taking a child on a plane, which terrifies me, the idea of taking a child on a plane, um, keeping them still, and if they scream and make everybody angry. Yeah, but then you know how all these parents will feel, because uh, we never really think about, oh, uh, we never have to do this with a uh, little kid on a plane. But yeah, what if you have to? And the other option is a boat or the train. So the, the plane is at least... Maybe if the maybe the kid screams the entire time, but it's one hour. <laughs> well, the boat will be the best option because you're a little bit free. Yeah, you can you can, can just walk around. around. Yeah, so until you get seasick. And I guess that's also going to be quite interesting how we introduce our families to our family if we decide to have a family. Because when our siblings decide to be parents, because they're straight, yeah, they can just do that. It's natural. They can just do that. But we have to really plan and think about it and make a lot of decisions and our families love us but that also means they like to advise us quite a lot of the time and it might be that they think that we're being crazy <laughs> so we have to really make sure that they're comfortable with what we're doing but we have to also make sure that they don't tell us what to do and i think that's a really awkward balancing act right yeah that's for sure because they don't expect these things there's something totally new for them, just as new as for us. But yeah, we also grow up. We also uh, get older. We also have to look into the f future. And yeah, probably my family always felt like, yeah, having a kid is something for straight people because that is how it just goes. Yeah, easier. It doesn't say it goes easy, but it is, you can plan it a little bit more. But for us, it is not at all. That's why it will frighten them as well and they will always tell no it's better not to do this or that it's too much money too much work do you really want it and you have to really think about it because it can take up so many years and what if and what if what yeah if. yeah and that's because they love us and they want to make sure that we're not doing something silly but it's also difficult because it's an extra level of stress on us when we have to constantly explain ourselves i think gay people lgbt people in general we always have to explain ourselves. Even if you think about stuff like picking up your child from school and the teacher going, oh, um, and what about mummy? Uh, and we'd have to explain that, hey, in our, in, we're, we're a gay family. We don't, we don't have a, there isn't a, a mother. It's kind of like how we have to explain to people that we're gay. <laughs> Not all the time, but, you know, we have to explain that. We have to come out to people. Yeah, but um, it's also, I think, something good because I can't remember that... I've ever seen or heard about a kid who has two, yeah, gay parents. Mm -hmm. I've never seen that. So uh, it is something what should be normalized. It has to start somewhere. So yeah, it is something good. So people will getting used to it to see a gay couple having a kid. But yeah, I don't know how it will work school because yeah, most will be like straight couples having a kid there and there will maybe be one couple who's gay who sent the kids in, in school and yeah will they be bullied will they yeah whatever you don't know yeah there's a lot of things to worry about in general i guess kids especially when they're young they don't even know what gender is or sexuality they yeah, don't that's care for sure so i guess in that way at least when the child is young there's probably not much to worry about but it is a worry that when they get older will people make fun of them or bully them because they have gay parents well um, i hope not because that is so far in the future i hope back by then things are so normal like we are literally equal 
I hope by, by then. I hope so too. I, I hope that more people are able to realize the families that they want and aren't stopped from doing that just because of who they love or how they identify. Um, and I think it's also a shame and a it's a shame because we're very privileged that we have these options, that we can even talk about this on a podcast. We're so lucky to be able to do this today. Yeah. Okay, when... Imagine in so many countries, you're not even allowed to talk about it yeah. or even show something. We're so lucky in a lot of things, but a lot of things are also changed nowadays. And I think it can go faster than before. Like what normally would take 20 years, it can be possible in one year because it gets normal every day. And yeah, that's the start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a huge change in from when we were kids to now and how, you know, the LGBTQ people were trapped. And hopefully, you know, despite the fact that our gay ancestors were unable to have children, hopefully we can we can change that and we can break that chain as a community. I'm not saying that me and you on our own are going to do this, but hopefully we can really make a difference here. And like you said, with equality, people tell us all the time that we're equal because we can get married or that we're equal because there's a gay guy who hosts a TV show or that we're equal because, you know, there's 700 versions of RuPaul's Drag Race or whatever now. Um, but I don't feel equal. What about, what about you? No, if we were equal, we wouldn't have to do this. No. Talk about this. This podcast would not uh, exist. Wondering, or if we were equal, we would know how this all works because it is something normal to, yeah, you will learn at school, for example. Uh, I've learned how it all works at school for straight people, but not for gay people or in that community. Yeah, and if we look at the maternity leave and the paternity leave, how the woman is expected the mother is expected to spend all that time with the child. Like if there is still sexism and we know that women are paid less than men in a lot of places, that still exists. So if that still exists, and if you look at the whole Black Lives Matter movement, there's just so much inequality. I really hope that if anything good can come out of the coronavirus and all of the madness of the past four or five years, that it's we can start moving together towards equality because I think 2020 was really like a pressure oven where a lot of things just exploded because of inequality. And I really hope that we can take some steps in the right direction and find that. And I really hope that for LGBTQ people, that equal future includes a future where all families are equal, uh, no matter what the sexuality or the gender identity of the parents or the kids. I'm really curious about what we're going to discover uh, in the coming months um, while we do this show. Um, yeah, me too. And maybe, do you think we might be in a position at some point in the future, once we've done uh, more research, once we've done the show, to maybe decide for ourselves if we want to go down this route or not? Yeah, because... If we can learn more about the possibilities, it can also make everything a lot easier to think about because now a lot is unknown. Uh, yeah, of course, you did some research already, but there are the tiny little things that can make a big difference. And yeah, who knows, after this series, we will think about it in a different way, in an easier way. And who knows? 
Yeah, and hopefully we know the truth, as in we know exactly how all of this works and we know the reality. I'm really looking forward to talking to parents and experts that help make this possible who are raising a child as a non-heterosexual family. I'm really looking forward to speaking to them and sharing their stories with, uh, with everybody. Kevin, it's been really great to sit and talk to you. And yeah, who knows, maybe we'll sit back down again in the future to reflect on this weird and wonderful adventure into queer parenting, which I am taking. Yes, thanks so much for having me. And I'm also really curious how this will work out and what we will learn from this. So uh, we'll probably will talk about this again. I think so. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you. Before we finish up today's episode, I have some updates and clarifications on a couple of things which I discussed with my boyfriend. Regarding the Dutch ban on overseas adoptions, this is still in effect. There was an election in March, but at the time of recording, which is late May 2021, talks to the former government have only just started, so there's been no movement here. If anything changes between now and this episode airing, we'll include it in the episode's accompanying article on our website. We also mentioned the Dutch child benefit scandal. For listeners outside of the Netherlands, this was a result of more than 10,000 parents who were claiming child benefits being wrongly accused of fraud between the years of 2013 and 2016. They were forced to pay back at times tens of thousands of euros. The scandal disproportionately targeted non-white families with migrant backgrounds. Thousands of families were forced into debt, losing jobs, homes and sometimes relationships. Victims are finally receiving some compensation, but this is quite a complicated issue. If you're interested in learning more about it, we've included some links on our website to some English language resources. Finally, the subject of maternity leave in the United Kingdom. Figures of nine months and one year were discussed. To clarify, mothers in employment are entitled to 52 weeks of maternity leave in the United Kingdom and up to half of this can be shared with the mother's partner. However, only the first six weeks provide near salary levels of compensation. This is a subject we'll be diving into later on the show, but check out our article on this episode for more information regarding UK maternity leave. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the show. Next week, I'll be talking to queer parenting expert Sarah Costa. He will be introducing me to the world of queer parenting, and explain to me exactly what my options are and aren't. Artwork by the incredible K Toys and fact checking by Emma Voch. This week's very special guest was my partner, Kevin. Thank you so much for being on the show. You can follow us on Instagram at the Daddy Issue Pod and Twitter too at Daddy Issue Pod. For more information about this week's episode, head on down to thedaddyissue.org. <laughs>